0: Mike. Jamie, are you cheered up to uh, tackle making a murderer?
1: <laughs> All right, now, I'm going to tell you something, man. I cried again on this episode of Making a Murderer. And I am not a girl who cries easily. I could count on one hand the number of times I've cried in the last six months. And this was one of them.
0: Well, this is episode four of Making a Murderer, indefensible. Uh, Jamie, it's pretty depressing. This one was, uh, this one I thought was re- rather slow moving. Now, where are you in the series?
1: Well, I'm on episode four.
0: <laughs> okay, that's good. You, so you watched episode one, skipped two, and did three with me, and then did four? Yes. So you still haven't watched episode two? No. No, we got a little flamed by that by from some of our listeners. Really? yeah all okay. right
1: i'll go back and watch it people have w- nothing
0: better to do than than flame <laughs> people doing stupid podcasts but
1: i will go back and i watch what did they say
0: yeah never mind it's not it doesn't matter
1: okay can't believe you're right.
0: doing a podcast having you watched
1: all the episodes oh i'm sorry i got I'm flames really sorry. for
0: doing the first one by myself
1: Oh, oh, but yeah, but that's so. Oh, that's so wrong. If these people only knew how much work it takes. Oh well, God. I
0: also we also get people that say you guys sound great, and I noticed on. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. We get people that like it and people that don't like it. What the hell?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we do it for ourselves and we do it for the people who like it. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But that's rough. I mean, like on a hard day, like you and I actually spoke off the air about the weeks that we've had. And we've both had bodacious, like serious weeks this week. It's been rough. And right now, I mean, you know, just... You know, keeping the the details of it between us, you know, I mean, like this is the last thing that I really was up to doing tonight. And you've got a million better things to be doing right now. And we're out here cranking it out because we love it and we love, you know, the people who love it and enjoy it. So um, it's a little sad that people get mad at us, but I guess it's OK. I mean, there are worse problems to have, I guess.
0: Jamie, have, but, you, ever, uh, have you ever been to Wisconsin? No. Um, I've been there before.
1: I have a friend who's from Wisconsin, and um, she doesn't seem like these folks.
0: People in Wisconsin – I grew up near Chicago, like in Chicago, and people from Chicago go up to Wisconsin for vacation. Mm -hmm. There's lots of lakes and stuff to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the drinking age in Wisconsin Wisconsin was 18 – and in Illinois, it was 21. So we used to do the very worst thing possible is, like, drive up to Wisconsin, like, 50 miles to, so you could drink. Yep. And then drive back. It's mm-hmm. crazy. While well, you're 18 mm. or 19. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it looks a lot like the uh, Manitowoc County downtown that I see when I see this show. Really? All right. But this is Episode 4, Indefensible. They start out by showing the Sheboygan Juvenile Detention Center. Yes. And where Brandon, Brendan, I keep calling him Brandon. His name is actually Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N. Yes. That's right. Brendan is, is stuck with his uh, dilemma. And his mother, Barb Janda, is going to see him. And Jamie, Brendan is worried, poor, poor old Brendan, is worried about missing WrestleMania.
1: I know. It was so sad. Oh, my God. He's worried about missing WrestleMania. And his mom's like, Yeah, don't worry. Your dad's going to record it for you. And he's like, But well, when am I going to see it next year? And she's like, No, we'll get you out before then. And, you know, it's just so awful because number one, she didn't even give him any idea of like when that might be. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is that kid, is he should not be in jail. He should be out. Right,
0: you're a on? mom. You're a mom. If I give you a Sophie's choice here, what- you, do you accept the challenge? Yeah. If you could free one, but only one, who would you set free? Stephen or Brendan? Brendan. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. I probably'd set him free too. Yeah. Even though Stephen has 18 more years in jail than Brendan does. Doesn't it's, matter.
1: Uh, it's a kid and he's innocent and his intelligence is less. He's not as functional a person. He's innocent. And, you know, even though Stephen's innocent, Stephen has done some crap. And he's older
0: Do you realize Stephen has now Exceeded 10 years in his second Stint in jail No I didn't He's over 10 years This was like 2005 And uh, so he did one 18 year stretch Now he's over 10 years in his his second Calamity And no conviction Yeah really all right. Well, that was the first opening scene for the show, and then the credits came on. We come back to the news report, um, and they tell us, Jamie, that Brendan Dassey's got a new attorney, Len Kaczynski.
1: Yeah, that's right. And thank God for that dude. Like, I was really, I I was really so very, very, very happy to see him um, on here. And I that the part of the reason
0: I cried is because of him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who are you happy to see? The attorney. Len Kaczynski? The one... the
1: Yeah, the one who was assigned to Brendan.
0: The dweeby little guy with the blonde hair?
1: That's correct.
0: Why... Are, and so you're happy at first to see him. Hopefully you're not happy at the end of this episode.
1: Well, I... Okay, so I... The part where I was really happy to see him was in the beginning, like... First, when he started speaking, because he sounded intelligent, and then second, like after, what was the hearing for? It was to make his testimony, or like his confession, to um, make it inadmissible, inadmissible in court. Mm -hmm. After that hearing, where the judge found that the testimony, uh, that Brendan's testimony was admissible, that attorney was crying. Did you notice that? Like after the court um the verdict,
0: Whoa. he was out there talking to the press i'm about to, I'm practically crying now, listening to you, thinking that you like this attorney
1: okay, so I liked him in that part, <laughs>
0: okay. I didn't like this attorney from the minute I set eyes on him, and this at the end of this episode, if you didn't like him in the beginning, you gotta not like him at the end. What? This guy's a dweeb he's a he's a poser. Let's just go through it. Okay. Um, so he gets his attorney, and um, he's already this guy's already blaming Stephen for the trouble Brendan is in. So I guess he's got to do what he can do to try to get his client off. But he's already taken the the, the same tack that everybody else has taken that Stephen's guilty, and he's just sucked everybody into this crime with him. Right. Um, we see the good lawyer now the good lawyer dean strang comes on and he says the state's just creating this horror story by adding charges they've added these three extra charges to Stephen based on what brandon brendan has told everybody that they Uh raped tortured and murdered the uh the woman um and every time Strang says whenever they add one more count they every one count they add they add to their chances of winning because the because the defendant then has to clear himself of more and more counts and has to have a clean slate to win. And the state really just has to convict of one or more of the of the counts.
1: Right. They just have to have one hit, he said.
0: Yeah. So the uh, this news, the AP, I guess the Associated Press interviews Stephen, they say, what do you think of your nephew's confession? And, and Stephen right away just says he was coerced. Mm-hmm. So Stephen, even, even with his addled uh, intelligence, he at least knows the word coerced. <laughs> and at least right. he's caught on to what's going on here. He's not, he's not totally lost in this maze of legal uh, developments. Mm-hmm. Um, but the news agency claims that Stephen is sending messages to Brendan via the media, via them. Now,
1: just, I really love the way that these um, documentary makers have done this. Because they showed, they played exactly the words that the interviewer posed during that phone call, that phone interview, and then immediately played the way that the press spun that. And it just sounded so incongruous and so ridiculous and unfair. I really liked it because that, I mean, it was so stupid.
0: Yeah, and pretty manipulative. They play the media, whoever that woman was, just saying, hey, hey, man, first of all, just how you doing? Like she's worried about how he's doing. And yeah. then she sets him up for this. He's not very smart. Pretty pretty, pretty manipulative, I think. Yeah. Um, all right, and this is where we hear Barb and Brendan have a couple of converse, converse, conversations, and this is where we hear the one about the inconsistent. He doesn't know what the word inconsistent means, and she doesn't know... Any more about what it means So she can't even help him
1: Right You're talking about Brendan and his mom Right That was another part That made me freaking cry I was just I mean these people Don't need to be In the situation That they're in I don't know Who In their right mind Would imagine This kid Could Plan Any kind of Murder Or cover up Or help to Carry out Or I mean he's just Not capable
0: well, Brendan and his mother are just so sadly simplistic. Yes. I mean, they skate around these inane topics like like where they're talking about their pet cat for a while and other just simpleton topics that have nothing. It's like that's as deep as they can get. You know, she calls them some cutesy silly name, and they talk about that for a minute.
1: Yeah, Turkey. She calls them Turkey and. Uh, you know, she's trying to, she's trying to, um, you know, I think cheer him up a little bit because his favorite animal is cats. And so she said she got him two cats. You know, and I think she's trying to give him some sort of, you know, hope or something to look forward to. Um, but you're right. It's so simplistic. I mean, that conversation was tragic. It really made me sad. I'm kind of mad at you, Mike.
0: Sorry. <laughs> All right, well, hold it together, damn it. All right, Kaczynski, the new lawyer that I hate, and you don't seem to hate yet, but don't worry, Jamie, I'll get you there. Okay. He moves to have the confession thrown out. Brendan's confession should be thrown out. The judge, however, denies it, says all along he had the power to make... He wasn't threatened. It was all unthreatened. He had the power to make these rational choices. I mean, who... Put him on the list of people to hate, the judge... You can't see that this poor kid is a dope, and he cannot make rational choices.
1: Yeah, that I, I just don't understand. That whole place just seems like a confederacy of fools. I, I, don't, I don't know why it's so backward there.
0: All right, Mike Hallbach, the brother of Teresa, views all this as a big victory, and they put him on camera for a minute. Um, and Kaczynski comes back on and says it's disappointing. And as he's saying that, Jamie, this is where I started to hate this guy. Because he's mugging and smirking for the camera. He's a, he's a guy that just tried to become a judge and he failed. He came in third place in the election for, the, for becoming a judge. Mm-hmm. He's doing this to get himself popularity so he can get back into the political game. Mm-hmm. He's becoming this, you know, he set himself up to... Attach his name to this big case so people would recognize him. I well, think. I,
1: I I don't know about that. I just know that he was truly, truly upset when that judge returned that unfair verdict about that uh, about the um, the um, the confession. I mean, he was really upset. He had to stop and gather himself because he was crying on camera.
0: All right. Well, don't love him for that. Okay. He suggests that Brendan may eventually testify against Stephen. And um, we see some more scenes at the courthouse. We see Tom Fassbender is the lead prosecution's in- investigator. Um, and now Kaczynski in- introduces us to this guy, Michael O'Kelly. M- Michael O'Kelly is the defense investigator, although he very soon won't seem to look like a defense uh, team member. Um, O'Kelly meets with Brendan, and they want to have... Essentially, they want to make a story up. They want to create a, a version of Brendan's view of this event that they can then present back to Fassbender and help Brendan out. So, Jamie, this is where this guy O'Kelly, another guy on the hate list, of course, has these forms that he has Brendan uh, look at and he wants him to put his name on this form, which is... Which is, I'm sorry for what I did, or I'm not sorry for what I did. He has the two guilty choices. Both choices are guilty.
1: Right. Right. Well, okay, so, I mean, that's the only way you can take it. Because if you think of it any other way, then, I mean, you have to be thinking on a much higher level. It's just also, this is our criminal justice system. You know, this is our
0: criminal justice system. And this guy's on the defense team.
1: And and he's sitting there telling Brendan, Brendan now, I can't forgive you unless you are sorry for what you did. Right. You know, and you have to be sorry for what you did no matter what. And um, I can't help you unless you tell the truth. So you have to write the truth down no matter what it is. You know, and you're right. He doesn't sound like he's operating on anybody's defense. But I, I wondered about it because it seemed as though, you know, that he got the actual truth out of Brendan. Um, it, you know, and I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't think know he did.
0: Was- he, well, first of all, he's treating this kid like putty, like you're saying, he's just molding him into whatever he wants. But when Brendan writes out what he originally wrote out, I think that was the truth.
1: Yes, that, that
0: long note on the side of the page. And that was where, of course, we see the first time bombfire. He was right. at the bombfire, And that's, uh, of course, the name of our podcast feed, "Bombfire making a murderer.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I, I didn't know where that came from. And I actually intended to ask you about it this week. And then I saw it and I was like, whoa, Mike is a genius.
0: Well, no. Jamie, that guy that's mad that you missed episode two is going to be mad that you don't know the name of the podcast that you're on.
1: I know the name of the podcast I'm on. I've seen it. <laughs>
0: I know. You know what I'm saying. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. So Kelly directs him to write down what he needs him to write down and draw pictures of what he wants him to depict. Um, pretty pretty creepy stuff. He just he just keeps molding this kid to do him to do what he wants him to do.
1: That's so
0: awesome. Um so when he gets that, he gets that version of what he thinks will look good to Fassbender. That he has Mark Weigart and Fassbender talk to him again, talk to Brendan again. They're the prosecuting investigators. And then they work on him. And his story's all over the place. This poor kid is just as lost as he can be. Um, they threaten to call his mother and tell her he's lying if he doesn't do what they want him to do. And this kid's just blowing in the wind. Yeah. They get a new confession... Uh, from Brendan, so this—the whole thing has backfired. Kaczynski's plan here is—he's fucked this whole thing up. He wanted to have this nice story that he could use to defend Brandon, but it's fucked everything up, and now he looks even worse than ever. So awful. All right, now uh, Brendan and Barbara talk some more. His mom, Brendan and his mom. Uh. Mm-hmm. I don't see why, Jamie, except for just pure stupidity that his mother doesn't see what's happening here.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, really, these people really are
0: not very bright. She get, We'll give her a little credit in a minute because she does catch on midway through this episode. The bell comes on or the light bulb comes on for her. But at this point, she's still just pretty lost. She doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, all right, we see Jody Stokowski. Now, she gets worked a little bit in this episode, too. Um, she's she's on the phone with Barbara, the mother, and Barbara tells her Stephen buried my son. He got him in all this trouble. It's all his fault. You know, Jody Jody's kind of lost in this little world too. She's just grinning and smiling uncomfortably. She doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Not another uh, a, a rocket scientist and Jody Stakowski. All right, Jamie. Now the parents, um, Dolores. Now think of these parents. Barbara and Stephen are brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And the mom is sad that Barbara doesn't believe her brother. She's just a mom, right? You don't. Um, be- well, okay. So, but last episode, it seemed like she didn't believe him.
1: Then she kind of did believe him. So I don't know.
0: Well, I think I think Dolores believes Stephen, but she's sad that Barbara doesn't believe her brother.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. I think Barbara does believe him now, right?
0: Well, she's getting there. I don't know if, she, I don't know if it's at this point, but she, it, by the end of this episode, she gets there. Okay. But, yeah, her son and daughter. Just think of your son and daughter being accusatory towards one another. One's about to spend his life in jail. Yeah. It's just awful. And the dad, Alan, Alan Avery's the dad, says, he realizes my son doesn't have a prayer. Yeah. It's a pretty tough admission for him because he's always been kind of a fighter. I'll put the yes. I'll put the ranch up on sale, get you out of jail, no matter what. It t- like he's he's not gonna sit back and let this happen. Yes, but he kind of admits defeat here.
1: Yeah, it's just so tragic. I mean, really seriously, so
0: tragic. All right, when we see this trashy news babe again, Jamie, uh, about how. It, how an innocent man evolved into a real crime being a criminal, and murder is hot. This is how we get ahead of our other networks. Everyone wants to see murder. It's just a story, it's just ratings to her. That's right. Bullshit man. God. yeah. yeah. who can I mean, we love? Is... who can we who can we who's our hero in this thing?
1: <laughs> Stephen Avery and Brendan, what's Brendan's last name?
0: Um, Dassey
1: Brendan yeah. Dassey das And, the, and those Strang are... and Beauty. Yeah, those are the people that we get to love in this horrible situation.
0: All right, now Jody has some good evidence, Jamie. Jody has the night of the murder at 536. She has a phone call that she made to Stephen from the jail. She was in jail for DUI. Mm -hmm. So there's a record of that phone call. And she talked for 15 minutes and then later on in the evening talked to him right before 9 o'clock. And in both of those calls, he sounds normal. They're talking about getting married and how he needs to propose to her and throw rose petals on the bed and be nice and sweet. And It's pretty hard to imagine Stephen doing these two calls, uh, bookended around a murder.
1: A, a horrible, horrific, I mean, nightmarish for the history books murder. I mean, how do you do that?
0: Yeah, it doesn't add up. No. All right, well, String and Buting have their own investigator. His name's Pete Betts. And he comes on, he's been in law enforcement like 40 years, and he says, I've never witnessed a search area done like the one in this case. Uh, it's the most unprofessional mess I've ever seen. You don't, you don't search multiple times. I think they searched the property 18 times. Oh, God. He says you don't just go back over and over and over looking for things that you've missed unless you know that something's there that you should be finding or planting. <laughs> yeah. You just don't do it that way. Right, And um, this is when the key is found. And the only DNA on the key is Stevens. And plus, if you look at that key, Jamie, it's brand new. It's got etchings from the grinder from the hardware store where you get the key ground out. It's perfectly new and shiny. Perfect arcs on it.
1: Whoever created this evidence, whoever planted the evidence that's there really never could have imagined in their wildest dreams that that evidence would be scrutinized the way that it's being scrutinized by documentarians
0: and the general public. And the West Coast Project podcast team. That's right. Yeah, you know, I also think that without Butting and String, this would have been a tough, tough slog of a show to watch. Without these guys coming in every now and then and looking, like, geniusly smart and hopeful for us, It would have been just too sad to watch.
1: It would have been that one episode (laughs) that, um, you know, that I kind of needed it to be because, um, you know, really seriously without it, it's just too dark and sad.
0: So we hear from Jerry Buting now and he says some people think that our hands were tied because Stephen claims he was being framed. And because he claims he was being framed, that was the only defense that they could present. Otherwise, Stephen would be lying they presented some other type of defense. Uh But he says it's not really a problem because that's exactly what the evidence indicated that Stephen was being framed. Uh Um, Then then he cites a couple facts that the RAV4 was found on the property and that it's ridiculous for Stephen, an automotive salvage guy, to leave a car on his property when he has an automotive crusher and and the expertise to run it he could have easily disposed of that car. Well, uh,
1: yes. I mean, <laughs> he had the key, clearly, right? He had the key. He had the car. He had the ability to dispose of the car. He, uh, he had everything he needed, but he left it there sitting on the front. I mean, seriously, if, it, if there were a scenario where you could put on trial in a, in a competition-style arena, like, if you had the fake defendant, the person who's accused, who really didn't do it against the people who set him up, and you had a trial with all this evidence, it would be a slam dunk, you know, against the people who manufactured this and creating this murderer out of thin air.
0: yeah. Uh, Buting mentions a couple other things. If, if they killed her in the bedroom with blood everywhere and had to be meticulously cleaned up, then the person who would be able to pull that off and do that would not leave a car in plain sight and a key on the floor. There you go. They'd be meticulous one way or they'd be sloppy the other way. They wouldn't be both.
1: That's correct.
0: Also, the um, there was blood in the car but no fingerprints. So if he had no fingerprints, it probably means he had gloves on. And if he had gloves on, there wouldn't be blood. All this, all these contradictory things were, were going on. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the news now talks to Sheriff Peterson. Peterson was the arresting officer back at the time, and now he's running the whole show for, for Manitowoc. Um, and he says, if they think we planted evidence, they have to prove it, and they can't. Um, and then he says... Almost unbelievably, as either Strang or Buning, I can't remember which one, or they're watching this on their computer. But Peterson says, Framing this guy would be too difficult. We could just kill him easier than frame him. He says that on like the news in front of everybody.
1: Unbelievable. This, I mean, really, that's what passes for justice. Yeah. That, that's what passes for a, a, a legal system, a, a system of laws. You know, it, and if we were sitting in the comfort of our living rooms and watching this unfold in a country like Saudi Arabia or North Korea or some place in Africa or, you know, South America, we would be horrified and there would be outcries and people would be outraged and saying, you know, we're so lucky that we live in America. Well, guess what? <laughs> Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. And people are saying, you know, these document. Documentarians, I struggled over this word last time. Mm-hmm. They didn't just stumble across this one case. That these are pro- this case is probably evidence of what happens in in the dark corners of the legal system. That it's not a, an outlier. It happens more often than we'd like to think.
1: That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. That's I, the scary part. Yeah, I mean, and and it and it really is. I mean, it really is, but there are so, our world is fast, and, you know, there are so many other things for us to think of. People's immediate needs always take precedence, you know, but but this is real. I mean, things like this really happen on a smaller and a greater scale.
0: All right. Mother Barbara still doesn't quite get it. She's trying to get there, man. She's, <laughs> she's asking Brandon for the truth. Um, she still doesn't quite get it that her son is being worked by these investigators, but well, I
1: mean, that was weird to me because it seemed to me as though in the beginning of – actually, last episode and the beginning of this episode that she really did get that. And then now it's like she doesn't.
0: Yeah, I don't think she got it. Uh, I don't think she has it quite yet. But you can tell he's not lying when he talks to her. I mean, he's no. just honest. He's a sweet, honest kid. He says, Mom, I was guessing. I was just guessing what they wanted me to say. Yeah. But she can't, Barbara, the mother, can't even form coherent sentences. Yeah. I mean, she tells this kid, she knows he's slow. She knows he's, uh, or maybe maybe not. I mean, you tell me, Jamie, is a mother blind to their kid's faults like this? This kid's probably got some m- medical diagnosable s- okay. retardation of some type.
1: So we all know that the average IQ is... 100, right? Like, that's the average IQ. Um, and this boy had his IQ tested, um, and he had two scores. One was for reading, and one was general, I believe is what it was. The general one was something like 73 and the reading one was something like I think it was like eighty six or eighty nine, something like that.
0: Well, aren't those numbers exponential too? Like if you're if you're seventy, and you're compared to a person who's eighty, it's not like they're, oh they're just ten points higher. It's like exponentially points higher. Um, like a like a genius, a, like one twenty seven is a genius. So that's only twenty seven above a hundred. But mm-hmm. if you're twenty seven below a hundred, you're like you're practically retarded.
1: Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, you know, I hate to say it like that. I you know I don't like the idea of, um, you know, of 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 thinking of people that way. But, I mean, yes. So
0: he's, as much as you are to be above average, you're a genius if you're 27 above. He's more than 27 below.
1: Yes. You just
0: think of it that way. He's like a genius in the opposite direction. Y- yeah. That's kind of the uh, gist of it, right? He's he's pretty far below.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. So somebody who's considered below average cognitive ability generally IQ of seventy to eighty five, which is right where he is. Um, they're called below average IQ people. It's an acronym that they use. It's called B A I Q, bake, um, and it's technically technically a cognitive impairment. So, But they say this group is not sufficiently mentally disabled to be eligible for specialized services. So he's right on the border because he actually received some specialized services in school. He had mostly regular classes, but some special education classes, and those were because of his IQ. So this kid doesn't, I mean, he, in my opinion, this is not a kid that you should be you know, basically, like forcing him into some sort of confession and then expecting for that to be held.
0: No, he's like a third grader. He's like a little kid, not a sixteen-year-old kid. And and the other thing, Jamie, is his mother. I mean, his mother is not helping him at all because his mother doesn't recognize half of these um, disabilities that he has. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to ask you. Is that you're a mother, do does nature block a mother from seeing the faults of their children or does she, does she just not know any better?
1: No. Um, Okay. So I think that for some people that really is the case that, you know, parents don't see, um, you know, what their kids are made of. And I think that for some people it's a choice, but I think that in her case, She may not understand it because she's not very bright.
0: Yeah, that's it. You don't picture this mother reading him Grimm's fairy tales or some other books when he's a little boy just because she doesn't understand that that's what you need to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, if she doesn't know what the word inconsistent means, that is not... You know, a person who, I mean, you're not even talking about a person who probably was able to successfully take, you know, her her high school standardized testing, you know, if she even finished high school. Yeah, she's um, a dope. She's yeah, a dope. I'm curious to know.
0: When, he's, when he says, Mom, I was guessing, she tells him, put your head on your shoulders and start thinking, which is as stupid as anything he's ever said. Yeah. Right? He can't put his head on it. She's doing the best he can, Mom. He doesn't have the ability. She doesn't recognize that. That's right. All right. Um, Some more evil is about to happen, Jamie. Jody gets caught drinking and has to go back to jail. She can't drink, I guess, even though she's a free woman. But she's on some sort of probation that um, she can't drink. So she gets caught drinking, goes back to jail, and her parole officer then prohibits her from visiting the Avery property or talking to Stephen she has to go out, move out, get a job just move away from them and uh, have no contact, she has a no contact order um, and she starts to think this is because they want to isolate Stephen more and it's probably true this is the hints of them, what they're up to what they're, how low they'll stoop to get Stephen in more trouble yeah. Or hurt him, just hurt him emotionally, hurt him, keep his, keep his fiance away from him. Um, for some reason now, you may have picked up on this, I just didn't really register with me, but Stephen's father shows a 1982 newspaper of all the old players in this game, Kuchorek, Kuchay, Ken Peterson, and um, how the defense wants to keep this Manitowoc team of uh, conspirators out of the trial. Out of Stephen's trial, and um, Strang, I guess, makes the argument that they all have motive and they shouldn't be att- attached to the trial. It, I was actually shocked, but the judge agrees to this and he excludes Manitowoc from the trial, and then mm-hmm. moves it to the next county. Right. It looked like the judge was going to fold as like a domino, just like everybody else here, conspiring against this poor guy. I'm just sickened by the show. I hate it. All right, Jamie, that's the spirit. That's the West Coast Project spirit. <laughs>
1: sorry. Mike, I'm so sorry. I hate this show. I hate it. I, I love it in a way because it really, you know, it wakes up the side of me that really wants to fight for people who, you know, like there's a part of me that, that really believes in helping people, you know. And so that, you know, that that side of me is very much um, awake when I'm watching this documentary series. But, God, it's so depressing. It's just really so depressing. It makes me so sad that this man is just sitting there. And it doesn't matter how I feel or how you feel or how much anyone else is outraged by what's happening to him. He's still sitting there for a decade
0: All right, that's the emotion we need to hear, Jamie. (laughs) All right, Barb goes to... Let's just power through it. Barb goes to visit Brendan and Sheboygan in his jail. And, um, again, more smirking and grinning from Kaczynski. And he says, Brendan looks like he's afraid of his mother because she lays down the law. And Kaczynski starts to become really hateable, even more hateable here. He ignores Barbara's calls. And... um, Brendan has to tell his mother that Kaczynski wants to offer up a plea, a plea bargain, and she gets enraged. She says, "Don't do it." He just wants to put you away. This is her first evidence of showing some sense. Like she's, she's finally catching on that the deck is stacked against Brendan, and nobody's really helping him here. Right, and she wants to get rid of Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. And she starts to believe now that Stephen's innocent, too. So she's still, she's at least starting to realize this. Um, this is where, in court, Brendan tells the judge that he wants Kaczynski out. He wants to fire him. Mm-hmm. And the judge digs in and tries to find out why. And Brendan pretty pretty much sums it up. He says, he thinks I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. And the judge denies the motion. Judge won't let him get rid of his own lawyer.
1: It's just awful.
0: These people... Which I thought, why, why can't you hire your own lawyer?
1: Well, um, he's got a court-appointed attorney.
0: Yeah, so you're stuck with who they give you, huh? I
1: think so, yeah. Just another indication of what is wrong with our justice system. And I, I don't pretend to imagine how to fix it, but in a situation like this, you know, and I could see the other side. I could see where there's potential for abuse, certainly. You know, ample potential for abuse of something like this, but, you know, a, a defendant should be able to fire their court-appointed attorney when the attorney is clearly not pursuing that defendant's interests.
0: Yeah, I guess the I guess an an irresponsible defendant could jam up the system by wanting to fire their lawyer every other month or something and just prolong their case. Right. So there's probably some sensibility to it. But for this, this this guy, I don't know, this Kaczynski guy is not, really does not have Brendan's best interest at hand. Um, Jody gets in trouble for talking to Stephen now. Apparently, they passed each other on their way in and out of the courthouse, and she smiled or said something to him, and that violated the no contact. And um, she gets arrested a bunch more times after this in the next couple months and uh that's what they did to isolate Stephen to hurt him and keep Jody away from him is just keep getting Jody in trouble, pretty evil, yeah, so Stephen has to hear from his brother that Jody's not going to see him anymore, and he says there ain't no more me and her no more <laughs> uh this is That was the whole thing that kept me going i I got nothing now, so he's really kind of broken because of this, yeah. So Jamie, I'm kind of like you. I'm sort of sad that this is fading. I think I think people are starting for, to forget about this case. It's fading from people's attention.
1: Okay, so I should tell you that um, there's been a development in the case, and I, you've seen this the end of the series. I don't know if they address this um, at all in 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 the series in the in the in the documentary series, but. Um, Stephen's case was actually taken on by the Innocence Project. Um, He has a new attorney. Um, Her name...
0: Yeah, from Northwestern. The Innocence Project of Illinois.
1: There, okay, there you go.
0: Yeah, the, the Wisconsin Innocence Project wiped themselves clean of this, kind of disappointingly.
1: Yes, yes, you're right, I'm sorry.
0: But Northwestern, they got a pretty good law school, and I'm sure they have a pretty good innocence project. So, yeah, that, that is kind of good news.
1: Yeah, and that was in January 2016 um, that that was taken. So at least someone now is, is trying to help this man.
0: So um, back to this episode, Brendan changes his story, denies the involvement. Um, this actually surprises Kaczynski. And um, there was a letter now written by Brendan, what, was kind of encouraged by Barbara. At the end of it, it says, my mom and I like you, Judge. <laughs> P.S., my mom and I like you. Kind of sweet little P.S. on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, th- then we get Strang. And I, we need these little bl- blips and blurbs from Strang and Buting. Strang's driving around in his car and talking to somebody. And these are really interesting little, little sections of this episode. Um, he drives around and he says... Um, he kind of laments the systemic failings and that they're troubling if you think about them too much. So even he gets depressed by this whole thing. Um, I think, Jamie, that he seems to be guilty that he can't do much for Brendan, this guy. He's, he's Stephen's lawyer, but he can't really do too much for Brendan.
1: Yeah, that's that's just, um, God, it's so sad.
0: <laughs> It'd be really hard to be a de- defense attorney. I could see myself pro bonoing myself to the poorhouse.
1: Yeah, I could see you doing that too, uh, because you're you're the kind of guy I mean you're so you're such a contradiction, Mike. But but when, if I know anything about you, I know it is that you cannot stand injustice, and it would make you angry. And I think you would just yeah. I think and you're just stubborn enough to bro- to pro bono yourself right into yeah into the poor. I could see that.
0: Yeah, and I wonder what it takes. Like Strang, these guys got—you know—they got resources. He could take, he could go on a six-month hiatus and help somebody out if he wanted to. But I guess you got to kind of tell yourself, a doctor too. Like, I can't do operations for free. I can't do, can't do my career for free, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, okay. So there's that, and there's life. You know, you you have to have your life, and you have to have. You know your career. You, I mean, there's so many people. This is one case. There are so many people who, you know, are in the same situations, or worse. You know, where do you draw the line? And do you do you give up everything? You know that you have and your comfort and everything, in order to save someone? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know.
0: yeah, that's a tough. How deep does it go? Too? What if what if a guy like you know say. I don't know, but what if Bill Gates watches this and he goes, "You know what? I'm going to give these lawyers two million bucks to, to keep going, just to stay in this case." You know, how deep is his responsibility, or Zuckerberg, or somebody who just has a lot of resources? I'm going to no. hire the best legal team there is to to help this this family.
1: Well, I could tell you something if it were me, because I mean, I, you know, if I think about money on a large scale, I think about it the way that I would spend it now on a small scale. And, um, you know, if it were me and I could do that, I would do it for somebody like this. Because I really don't believe that these people, that Brendan or Stephen had anything to do with with what's happened.
0: Yeah, Yeah. but then there's a case in Indiana then there's one in the Dakotas and there's one in Minnesota. I mean, how do you stop? Where Where do you stop?
1: Right, which is where you get, you know, wealthy people who set up foundations, To deal with things like this because they don't want to be the arbiter of justice because basically that's what you're doing when you decide to put your enormous resources behind one horse then you are you are deciding the race to a great degree and you know and so yes what do you do you start a foundation or you split your money and you help you know 50 different defendants rather than one You know, or whatever it is. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you're only contributing to justice as opposed to trying to make justice more just. I I don't know.
0: So in the the case when the judge learns that Kaczynski allowed Brendan to be interrogated alone, he dismisses him. He agrees that Kaczynski is not representing him properly. And Kaczynski comes out and just smirks more for the press. Do do you want to change your opinion of, of him yet, Jamie?
1: Okay, so uh, you know, he was weird. He was such a contradiction because you know, when he first appeared, he seemed very kind of like that. Like, oh, let me smile for the camera. You know, I'm trying to smile for the camera here, and you know, I I I'm, I'm going to laugh and talk about how I came in third, you know, and this and I didn't like him. But then when I heard him start to talk about Brendan, I was like, "Wow, you know, I think this guy really has some sincerity." And then when I saw him crying, uh, I don't know.
0: Don't okay, be fooled so by th- those crocodile tears, Jamie.
1: I guess not. I don't know. A
0: little bit of a little bit of a report on Kaczynski. He actually is a judge now, in another oh. county somewhere in Wisconsin. But he has a pretty bad form of leukemia. So people on Reddit are saying, oh, they're happy. They're finally oh, this guy got the the you know karma finally caught up with this guy. That he was all, the whole time, he was just playing for his own popularity to get this judgeship. He got the judgeship, but he also got this bad disease. Wow. So, all right, enough of that, guys. So, um, they show some pretty cool artistic flyovers of this uh, part of Wisconsin, showing September, October, November, December, the seasons kind of developing, and um, they show that little stretch because this is when Stephen's trial starts, and Buting and String are preparing for the trial. And um, so they, they recite some of the facts now about Stephen and all the people involved. That Peterson was the arresting officer, and now he's the head of the whole sheriff's office. And he has a strong dislike for the Avery family, the whole clan of Averys, and the whole business and their side of town. Right. Um, and that because he's the now the head of the sheriff's department, this this thought of hate for the Averys permeates the whole department. Um. They also discovered that this guy, Link, Detective Link, keeps keeps popping up. He's the guy that found the key on, like, the seventh or eighth visit to the bedroom. Um, he shouldn't have even been there because it was the Calumet people doing the investigation. But Link, Link keeps popping up. Um, in 1985, the case file was filled up by Link. This was the... Um, box of evidence with the fingernail clippings and pubic hair and the blood and all that. This was the evidence that could have exonerated Stephen back in 1985. Yeah. And then, and in that evidence is this box with the scotch tape <laughs> opened and resealed and taped up again. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they take a look at this box. Buting and Strang get a court order to open this box and take a look at it. And they open it up. The styrofoam kit's inside it. The uh, Vial, the kit, the the tape on the styrofoam is also broken, and the vial of blood has a puncture hole in it, Jamie. And the company LabCorp that takes and supports this blood storage and blood, um, when they get blood from people, they don't do that as part of their normal procedure. So the blood had to be planted. Pretty good mm-hmm. argument. I remember when I watched this episode. And I was at the end of episode four and I had not seen any of the others. I thought, all right, now we're going to finally get some justice here. Mm -hmm. So Jamie, with you at that point for real, in real life, what do you, what do you think now that the vial, they got this vial, like it's got a hole poked in it.
1: Yeah. It's just, all of it is more, you know, it's just like, it's when it just, for me, it's very frustrating. And, I need to know when the scale is really going to tip, you know, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to.
0: But doesn't it seem like it's going to tip here, though? That's this is my point that they've got they've got a vial of blood of Stephen's blood, and they got Stephen's blood in a crime scene. This is how they got the blood to the crime scene, right? Somebody came in, tore open the box, poked a hole with a syringe, and squirted the damn blood in the car. This is the answer.
1: Yeah, that's the answer. But it, I mean. <laughs> I'm looking forward six episodes and knowing that this dude is still in prison.
0: All right. You're smart, Jamie. We can't fool you with a little blood, the hole poked in a vial. <laughs> well, anyway, that's what I remember thinking. It's like, Oh, finally they got, now they got these bastards. Now Strang and Buting are going to jump on them and they're tear the throats out and they're going to win the case.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm tired of, of, I'm just, I'm so depressed by this show. I, I i don't have any hope. It is so offensive to me that they have this kid. Not only does he have a low IQ, but he is a kid. Like, he doesn't have experience in the world. He's not jaded. He's not savvy, you know, to be able to defend himself against, you know, two police officers, detectives, who are very cleverly, you know, painting this kid into a corner and you know pulling eliciting a confession from him that he didn't he, he didn't intend. I don't know, it just makes me so angry because i I think partly because I actually have a high IQ, and I think that I would have probably caved under those circumstances you know so I, I mean, I don't see how it is that anyone can justify what they did to this kid.
0: You know, another interesting thing about Brendan is that he never gets angry. He gets frustrated and he gets he gets confused, but he never gets angry. He never turns to the guy and says, you know, listen, fucker, I you're trying to make me do something I don't want. It doesn't seem like he has that in his range. Yeah. Yeah. Or mom, mom, how could you not believe me? You know, he doesn't get angry. He gets he gets frustrated, but it it, it kind of ends there. And he's just lost. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Jamie, that's it for episode four. Indefensible next episode is the last person to see Teresa alive. Episode five.
1: Oh, that's good. We'll get into some of it. Because do we ever have any idea of what happened with this woman? Because that's kind of where I am right now, like, wondering what the heck happened to
0: her. Oh, there are theories. Okay. All right, Jamie, be safe.
1: There's right, a lot of thanks. crazy
0: people out there.
1: You too, have fun tonight. You've earned it.
0: All right, you too. Bye.
1: All right, thanks. Bye.